0: Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. Today's sermon continues our Hope Restored series. As we get closer to Easter, we look deeper into the events surrounding Jesus, just before Calvary. Here's First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan and the sermon, His Sorrow is Splendor. Good morning!
1: All right! Uh, I'm Chris Pan. I'm on staff at the church as executive director. Uh, Before that, I was just a member of the congregation. So everything I know about preaching, I know from watching Dan since 2010. So thank you, Dan, for teaching me everything I know. Also, be warned, because maybe one of these days you will be up here, too. So Uh, happy Palm Sunday. Today is a joyous day in the life of the church all around the world. And I love that we start this service every year with children waving palm fronds and singing Hosanna. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate a triumphant Jesus as he enters Jerusalem the week before Easter, the crowd yelling Hosanna, and Hosanna means save us. We've been walking with Jesus in our Hope Restored sermon series for more than a year, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the entire Gospel of Mark. And so we've already looked at the Palm Sunday passage in November at the beginning of Advent near Christmas time. And our passage today from the book of Mark is a different passage, which happens a few days after Palm Sunday and a few days before Easter. Our passage is located uh, right after um, Barabbas is released to the crowd and right before the crucifixion of Jesus. Before we read our passage today from the Gospel of Mark, I wanted to put it into context And the context is not just a few verses before or after. I want to look at our passage today in a much bigger context, an eternal context. And for that, I want to read a few verses from the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The author of Revelation, John, has a vision of Jesus in eternity as the true and triumphant king, being worshipped by all creation. And what we saw this morning with the waving of palm branches and the worship of Jesus It's just a tiny taste of the reality of the eternal kingdom of God. From the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. The author John writes about Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. Then I, John, looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. They numbered thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, singing with full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That is the context for our passage today in Mark. Jesus, the true and triumphant King, with all of creation bowing before him and worshiping his name. All creation declaring that Jesus is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. Amen. As always, as we go through our passage and our message today, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me, and what does he want me to do about it? Ask yourself, what is God saying to me, what does he want me to do about it? If you are able, will you please stand. As we read together from our passage today, We stand to show respect to the living word of God, which has the power to transform us. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 15 to 21. We'll pick up with one verse from last week, just to set the scene. Let's read together. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed Jesus over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led Jesus into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole company of soldiers. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and please join me in prayer. Jesus, you are beautiful in your glory and in your suffering. May you reveal yourself to us now. May we see your glory, your beauty, your love for us. We invite your Holy Spirit now to transform us. May we have an encounter with you now. In your name we pray, and all God's children say, Amen. What a contrast! between our two passages that we read this morning. In Revelation, Jesus, the true and triumphant king, being worshipped by all creation for all eternity. And that same Jesus, here in our passage today, suffering, being mocked by a crowd of soldiers, beaten and spit upon. What a contrast, as we sang, Jesus, who is both the lion and the lamb, When I was reflecting on today's passage, all I could think about was how beautiful Jesus is. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. I hope we all have an encounter with Jesus today and see how beautiful he is. Our sermon title today is, His Sorrow is Splendor. This is a fitting passage for today, Palm Sunday. This week is Holy Week, culminating on Sunday with Easter Sunday. And we hope that you'll be here again to celebrate it with us next week. And if you only think about Jesus on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, you get a very triumphant and glorious picture of Jesus and the church. Today, waving palm branches, singing Hosanna. When you come back next week on Easter Sunday, Jesus risen from the dead, resurrection and new life. But this glorious picture of celebration is not the complete picture of Jesus and the gospel. This Friday is Good Friday, the day on which Jesus is crucified. Pastor Tim Shaw has been organizing our Maundy Thursday services for the last few years, and it's a tenebrae service, or a service of darkness. It's a service that reflects on Jesus' crucifixion, with, a tes- with testimonies from a number of people, songs, and the progressive darkening of the sanctuary, extinguishing candles as we move through the events of Jesus' crucifixion, until this service ends in complete darkness. And I know that a weekday evening service doesn't fit into everyone's schedule. So this isn't about the Monday Thursday service. It's about whether we take time this week to reflect upon the suffering and death of Jesus. Pastor Tim has said that when we go from Palm Sunday straight to Easter Sunday, we miss something very important. We go straight from high point to high point. And the gospel of Jesus Christ and the life of a follower of Jesus is not just a journey from high point to high point. Between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday is the cross. Between the high points is the suffering and death and sacrifice of Jesus on a cross for us. The gospel is glorious highs and lots of celebration, but it is also very realistic about the reality of suffering. I know that there are many people here today who are in a place of great suffering. And all of us at one point in our past or future will experience suffering. And you might have wondered in the past, or you might be wondering right now, where is God in the midst of my suffering? So hear these words of encouragement and the truth of hope restored. God sees and knows and understands your suffering. God is present in your suffering. An author once wrote, Our God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. So let's walk through our passage today and see Jesus in his suffering and in his beauty. Verse 15. In verse 15, as Pastor Dan covered last week, Pilate has released Barabbas to the crowd and has turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And the first thing I want us to notice is that Jesus is turned over to the soldiers after he has already been flogged. Pilate's sentence was for Jesus to be beaten and crucified. And Jesus has already been beaten in verse 15 before he's turned over to the soldiers. So everything we read in our passage today, this is not part of the judicial sentence. This is not the soldiers doing their jobs, following orders to beat Jesus. Jesus has already been flogged. What we read today is entirely superfluous cruelty. It is unnecessarily extra. It is not needed for anything except to be cruel. In verse 16, the soldiers lead Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's palace, and they call together the whole company of soldiers a company of Roman soldiers was one-tenth of a legion, and a legion of Roman soldiers was approximately 5,000 or 6,000 soldiers. So this group of Roman soldiers mocking Jesus is maybe 500 or 600 soldiers large. These 500 soldiers mocking Jesus, their cruelty is not just superfluous, it is remarkably creative, in verse 17 and they clothe him in a purple cloak and after twisting some thorns into a crown they put it on him these soldiers go to great lengths and lots of effort to be mean they could have just been mean they could have just been extra mean these soldiers they take their cruelty and their contempt to a whole different level they decide to be creatively mean These soldiers are mean like bullies in movies about high school villains like Mean Girls or Karate Kid. And you watch and you're appalled and you think, how can anyone be so mean? The soldiers put a purple cloak on Jesus signifying royalty and they put on his head a crown of thorns. When we discussed this passage with our staff this week, Jenny Sung said about the crown of thorns, that's a lot of work. And it's true. No one just has a crown of thorns sitting around. It takes a lot of deliberate work to make a crown of thorns. I'm not a very crafty person. I'm not good at knitting or quilting or making jewelry. And if you are, we have a crafting group that meets here on Friday mornings. You're welcome to come and join. But at least one of these soldiers, maybe more, has to sit there and take the time to weave and twist strands of thorns together, getting poked, maybe bleeding, just so that they could be extra, unnecessarily, deliberately, creatively cruel to Jesus. Can I just take five seconds for a public service announcement? Please don't be a bully. I found out this past Friday that uh, we have a friend who is an 11-year-old kid And his classmates have made a fake Instagram page just to bully him. That is creatively cruel. Deliberately cruel. And so 2,000 years ago and even today, people will be cruel. Please, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your sake, don't be a bully. As we continue on in verse 18. And they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. What are the visual markers of royalty? A crown, a purple robe, and a scepter, a royal scepter. And that is what the reed signifies in verse 19. And this reed is not a long, willowy piece of grass. This reed is more like a hard piece of bamboo. It's possibly a cane, or given that this is a group of soldiers... It's likely that it's the shaft of an arrow. The soldiers beat Jesus with it, spit on him, and then kneel in front of him. Can you picture this scene? Jesus being humiliated, dehumanized, mocked. Jesus, the eternal king, worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. Amen. Instead, Jesus receives violence and cruelty, spit, insult, contempt, mockery, brutality. What a contrast. Not just the contrast of Jesus, worthy of worship, but receiving contempt. But what a contrast from the Jesus that we've walked with and seen for the past year and a half in the Gospel of Mark. We've seen Jesus in every interaction throughout the Gospel of Mark, Actively and powerfully transforming every situation that he's been in. He raises a dead girl to life. He walks on water. He feeds 5,000. He challenges the religious authorities. He heals lepers and the blind and the bleeding. He is an active agent of transformation in the world, except in our passage today. Jesus passively receives this cruelty. Because Jesus is not just the king coming on the clouds and the lion roaring with power, as we've sang. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. The lamb that was slain for us. Verse 20. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Then the soldiers put Jesus' clothes, his own clothes, back on him. I love that detail. The soldiers dress Jesus up like a king to mock him. They give him a crown and a cloak and a scepter. But that's not Jesus. Jesus enters this scene wearing his own clothes, and he leaves wearing his own clothes. And Jesus' own clothes, he wears the clothes of a humble, traveling rabbi. Remember that passage from Revelation? Revelation. Jesus worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. That vision isn't of all creation bowing down to worship a king, a king wearing a crown and a robe and a scepter. That vision isn't even of all creation bowing down to a lion. Look again. All creation is bowing down to the lamb who is worthy. Jesus is a king and a lion. But all creation worships Jesus, the lamb that was slain. A few years back, there was a movie called The Passion of Christ, which depicts the brutal cruelty endured by Jesus. And there's a picture from the set of the movie with the director speaking with the actor playing, with Je- playing Jesus. Uh, and be warned, I'm going to show a picture that shows the actor playing Jesus looking very bloody. He's in all of this kind of bloody makeup. Here's that picture. You can see the brutality endured by Jesus depicted here. And I show you this picture not to shock you with the bloodiness, but because some internet wise guy put a caption on this picture that I think is hilarious and very true. The caption, that moment when you explain to Jesus how hard your life has been lately. (laughs) Jesus, both the poly and the Lique Lique were closed this morning. Can you believe it? Jesus, my coworkers are so annoying. <laughs> Jesus, I've been fasting for Lent for five weeks. I haven't had cake in so long. <laughs> I don't mean to belittle the real challenges that you're going through right now. I'm just belittling the small things. Polyclosure aside, there is real and profound suffering in our world and our congregation. And I'm definitely not saying that Jesus doesn't care about your suffering or your problems. In fact, I'm saying just the opposite. Because we don't serve a God who is far away and unconcerned with our suffering and pain. We don't have to search for our God up on top of a tall mountain where he's a guru, some wise man, hidden away from the common people and their pain. Jesus is present. Jesus knows and sees And understands your suffering. Jesus understands your suffering more profoundly than anyone else who ever lived. Because Jesus has suffered more profoundly than anyone else who has ever lived. Our God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. Jesus, in our passage today, is never more fully human. Enduring contempt and spite, and cruelty. And Jesus, in this moment, is never more fully divine. Because remember, Jesus chooses this. Jesus chooses to endure all this unnecessary, brutal, creative cruelty for us. Jesus could have called an army of angels to rescue him, to wipe out every soldier. But he doesn't. He accepts this suffering on our behalf. And he accepts his suffering not just for us, but for every one of those 500 soldiers there that day. Jesus loves every one of those soldiers, just like he loves every one of us in this room today. And he loves every single person on this island, and he loves every single person in the world. On this planet, Jesus loves us all. And that's why Jesus endures this suffering. It's for us. John Calvin says that Jesus suffers this disgrace on earth so that we might have favor in heaven and to restore in us the image of God. I mentioned earlier that when I reflected on this passage, I was overcome by how beautiful Jesus is. Jesus, beaten and battered and bruised, is beautiful. The God of the universe suffers with us and like us, and for us. And that is beautiful. My favorite professor in college was a man named Nicholas Wolterstorff. Uh, He's a philosophy professor, the smartest person I've ever met, and a faithful Christian. Professor Wolterstorff's eldest son, Eric, was an avid mountain climber. And when Eric was 25 years old, he went climbing, slipped, and fell to his death. And to process his overwhelming grief, Professor Walter Storff wrote fragmented reflections on his grief, on his loss, on his suffering, on his struggle with God to make meaning of that loss. And those fragmented reflections were published later on as a book titled Lament for a Son. That's who wrote the line, God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. He wrote that in the book Lament for a Son. He wrote the following as well and it stuck with me for more than 20 years since I first read it. He writes, It is said of God that no one can behold his face and live. I always thought this meant that no one could see his splendor and live. A friend said, Perhaps it meant that no one could see his sorrow and live. Or, perhaps his sorrow is Splendor, Or perhaps his sorrow is splendor. And the great mystery, to redeem our brokenness and lovelessness, the God who suffers with us, did not strike some mighty blow of power, but he sent his beloved son to suffer like us. Through his suffering, to redeem us from suffering and evil, instead of explaining our suffering, God shares it. Perhaps his sorrow is splendor. Perhaps his sorrow is splendor. Jesus is beautiful. And he is beautiful not just in his glory. Jesus is beautiful in his suffering. In his suffering that he shares with us and like us and for us. Can we take a moment now in silence just to pause and to reflect and to pray, to look upon the face of Jesus Take this moment to silently pray and meet Jesus now, however you feel comfortable. Amen. Our hope when you come on Sunday mornings is that you might encounter Jesus. It's not so you learn some interesting facts about the Bible or learn how to be a better person. We want you to meet Jesus, to see his face, to become more aware of being in the presence of God, and not just here, but out there, and all throughout the week, because that encounter will change you, and it will change the people around you. And so there's one last verse in our passage today. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross, It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Our prayer at the start of our sermon was that we might have an encounter with Jesus, that we might see his beauty and his suffering. Simon from Cyrene has a brief encounter with Jesus, involuntarily. And Simon meets Jesus not when Jesus is teaching some wisdom. He meets Jesus not when he's performing a miracle. Simon encounters Jesus for just a few moments, as Jesus is suffering. And it changes Simon's life forever. And not just Simon's life, but the life of his entire family. How do we know this? Why does our author Mark identify Simon as the father of Alexander and Rufus? For the same reason I introduce myself as KG and Isaac's dad when I'm at my kid's school. The people at their school know them. They don't know me. Mark writes his gospel 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection to Christians living in Rome. And so Mark likely mentions Rufus and Alexander because those Christians in Rome probably knew Rufus and Alexander. In fact, in Paul's letter to the Roman church in chapter 16, Paul sends his greetings to a man named Rufus, who he says is chosen in the Lord, and to his mother. Simon is from Cyrene, which is in North Africa, He may have been in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he gets dragged into carrying Jesus' cross. Simon meets Jesus in Jerusalem, and because of that encounter, a generation later, his children are followers of Jesus in Rome. Simon from North Africa meets Jesus in Jerusalem. His children are followers of Christ in Rome. Simon's encounter with Jesus changes multiple generations and multiple countries because Simon came face-to-face with Jesus saw his beauty even in suffering, and eventually grasped that the most beautiful thing Jesus did was to lay down his life for us. Just like Simon of Cyrene, don't underestimate the power of a brief encounter with Jesus to change your life forever. And of course, the story doesn't end with Jesus' suffering or his death on a cross. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is risen. But for that, you have to come back next week on Easter. (laughs) We'll sing a song together in a moment about seeing Jesus. So if the worship team can come up now. We'll sing this song about seeing Jesus and seeing his beautiful face. As the team comes up, let's take another moment to silently pray and reflect to encounter Jesus now, Jesus who is beautiful. Let's pray silently together. There may be some of you today who have never met this Jesus before, who have never seen his face. And if that's the case, we invite you now just to pray this prayer. If you've met Jesus today, Jesus, I am sorry for the things I've done in my life. I thank you for your sacrifice, your suffering for me. Please come into my life now. Be my Lord and my King. Jesus, you are beautiful. Amen. We have prayed that we might all have an encounter with Jesus. And we hope that you have this day. We hope that you carry that through this week, this holy week. Uh, If you have met Jesus for the first time, please come forward. We have members of our prayer team before the cross and the choir risers. Please come and let somebody know if you are also just looking for prayer for something going on in your life, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. Now please stand and receive this final blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Jesus was beaten, spat upon, mocked, humiliated in so many ways, but he did it all for us to have free and clear access to God. It was and is a beautiful gesture. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Join us at one of our worship services on campus at forty-five five-five-zero Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu and Koolau.